Amen. Thank you, Dan. Um, well, it's good to um, be back two weeks in a row. Can you believe it? I'm preaching two weeks in a row. Um, you're getting your money's worth. Um, for those of you who we haven't met, my name's Steve, as Dan said, and um, with my wife, Tammy, who led us in communion this morning, we have the, the joy and privilege of helping to lead uh, this church family. And uh, this morning, we are, as we have alluded, fully embracing the season. And so over the next couple of Sundays, uh, we are leaning into the season of Advent, um, which is more than just chocolate and calendars, okay? It's more than opening up a door and eating chocolate. Oh, we was uh, listening to the radio the other day, and uh, I don't know if this happened in your context, but we used to have non-chocolate Advent calendars. Any, anybody? Anybody have those? Yeah. Poor family. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you open the door with excitement, and it was like some sort of badly illustrated picture. I don't know. But on the radio, they were saying this one family, they used to iron the door shut and give them to the kids the next year. I was like, that's genius. Absolutely genius. But... Um, but yeah, so, uh, but Advent is more than that. Advent is more than a calendar. Advent, as many of us will know, uh, is a moment in the, the life of the church when we anticipate the arrival of Jesus as a baby, born in humble circumstances, to come and dwell amongst us and to rescue humanity from the consequences of sin and death. And so in the midst of what becomes a fairly crazy season for many of us over the next couple of Sundays. Um, we're just going to take some time to pause and um, reflect on this Advent season together. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn with me to Luke chapter 2. And... Um, just to kind of put some context in here, Jesus is born, and um, and Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to be ded dedicated in the temple in Jerusalem. And so we're picking up uh, in verse 25, and it says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said, 
said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause uh, the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So I want to talk this morning a little bit about waiting. Waiting, we all have to do it. Uh, Whether we wait at bus stops or wait at traffic lights or wait in waiting rooms or wait on the phone or wait to be seated. One report from a few years ago said that uh, most people, the average person, would spend six months of their life waiting in line. Um, And some of us will spend the equivalent of like 43 days uh, waiting on the telephone to some kind of automated service. When we think about waiting, it kind of feels like a waste of time, doesn't it? After all, we, we all lead busy lives. We all have things to do, things to be getting on with. And in many ways, having to wait kind of gets in the way. So why don't you, let's just take 30 seconds, turn to the person next to you and tell them one thing that you hate waiting for. On your mark, set, go. Okay, so how many were like, I hate waiting for the sermon to be over? (laughs) Um, um, I remember when when one of our children, I won't say who, but one of them was very small. uh, One of the ways that they were soothed was to drive in the car. But then every time we stopped at traffic lights, she would scream. (laughs) just couldn't wait at the traffic lights, but um, um, we all hate waiting, don't we? We all there's always something about wait, waiting that's 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 kind of painful. And so, as um, we reflect on this passage today, um, there are a couple of things I want to focus on uh, when it comes to dealing with waiting. The first is that is this that sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to wait. And in the process, we have to learn to wait well. So the reality is, is that we do have to wait, and we have to learn to wait well. Simeon, um, in verse 25, it says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting. So Simeon is this righteous man, a man of um, unquestionable character. Uh, uh, it says he was devout. He was a man deeply committed uh, to his faith, and yet he still had to wait. Uh, Simeon's waiting, if you like, revealed something about his faith, that he was waiting because he knew God would turn up. 
Uh, He knew that God would keep his promise with him. It kind of echoes the the words of the psalmist, doesn't it? Uh, For example, Psalm 5 and verse 3, it says, In the morning I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. There's something of in Simeon's nature where he's waiting expectantly for the Lord to arrive. Now, I wonder how long Simeon had to wait. We get this idea from the passage that he's an old man who somehow his life has been extended as he waits for this promise. Uh, Some scholars would say uh, he was in his 120s. How about that? Um, others would say he, at this point, he was like 200 years old. I don't, I don't know. Either way, when Joseph and Mary arrive uh, with Jesus, uh, we get the impression he's been waiting a while. He's been, he's been waiting for some time. And so Joseph and Mary, um, in fulfillment of the law, arrive at the temple to um, present Jesus and dedicate Jesus to God. And I just wonder how many babies Simeon had seen come through the temple doors by this time. I wonder how many he'd held in his arms thinking, is this the one? Only to feel disappointed when it wasn't to be, it wasn't the reality. And I wonder how many of us in a room like this have held on to the promises of God where where we believe God has spoken to us, where we've believed that that job uh, was, was the job for us, or where we believed that relationship was the one. Maybe some of us have believed for years that, uh, that a loved one, uh, uh, a husband, a wife, uh, a parent, uh, a child would come to faith. Maybe some of us have been waiting for healing, and, um, and, and we've held on to that promise as tightly as we possibly can. Yet up to now, nothing has changed. Maybe those, many of us have those promises that we cling on to. And still, the reality of it hasn't been realized in our midst. Maybe like Simeon, you're a person who is righteous and devout. Obviously, you wouldn't admit it because you're humble, you know. Um, But uh, maybe like Simeon, uh, you are someone who's committed, you're faithful, you're, you're fully invested, and still you're made to wait. And maybe the question you're left with is, is why? Why am I having to wait, God? Why am I waiting for this? You see, the truth is waiting is uncomfortable. And in our waiting, we often question things. We can often question what's wrong, can't we, when we're waiting? We can question, what have I done? What have I done wrong that somehow, God, you're holding back on this promise, that this isn't happening? But it's in our waiting that we learn to trust God again. We learn to trust that he is at work. He is doing something in our midst. But the truth is, waiting can feel like a gap. 
It's a, a gap between where we are and where we want to be. It's a gap between what our present reality is and what we long to see fulfilled. Historically, this gap would be referred to as a liminal space. That word liminal comes from the, the Latin limen, which is to be on the threshold. Uh, a liminal space is often a transitional space where we leave one thing behind that feels comfortable and safe and where we head into something new without really fully knowing what is ahead. As we read through the scriptures, uh, we see God's people being led into different kinds of liminal spaces time and time again. Think about the Israelites. You know, they're freed from slavery in Egypt, only to find themselves wandering around the wilderness for 40 years, waiting to enter the promised land. And in that time, you know, God did a deep work in his people. See, it was one thing for God to get the people out of Egypt. It was another to get Egypt out of them. And, and God used their time in the wilderness to form them and shape them for what was next. You see, a liminal space is, is a bit like moving into the hallway. You've left one room, but you've not yet entered the next. It's a hiatus space, which uh, for us could be defined by different stages of life or a stage in your faith, or a change in circumstances, be it a, a change in your job, or, or even a change in relationships. It's a, it's a space where we feel as if we're on the threshold between what has been and what is to come. And like the Israelites in the wilderness, uh, this can be a place of tension. Uh, it can be a place of tension and frustration. At the same time, it can be a place where we experience more of God's grace. Wasn't that true for the, the Israelites as they wandered around the wilderness? They were frustrated and concerned that they weren't going to see the promised land. And at the same time, God extended his hand to them, <laughs> provided for them every single day. And so it's a place where we learn uh, to let go and be stretched to explore what is next. The liminal space can be a quiet space uh, where the heavens feel silent, uh, where we have to learn to just be. A, a place where we have to pause and breathe and live in the moment, live in that place of, of waiting. It can be a, a space where we find ourselves asking lots of questions and wrestling with what is and, and what hasn't happened. It can be a challenging space, a, a space to re-examine, a space where we, we grapple with doubt, where we confront fears, a, a space uh, to recenter our hopes and reimagine our dreams. It can be that space where God's presence is distant, but it's also a place where his presence is closer than ever before. 
And we have to, as I say, embrace the tension of that space and, and make room for the Spirit of God to move in the midst of us, in the center of our waiting. And so it's in this kind of waiting that we learn to partner with God as he continues to form us into the best version of who we are made to be, where he works and deals with our shadows and our pain. See, when we find ourselves in a liminal space, it can feel like the next thing is never going to come. You know, it's just like, is, are we ever going to see this happen? Are we ever going to see this breakthrough? <laughs> Am I ever going to get that job that I've longed for, that child that I've longed for? Is, is it ever going to happen, God? But delay doesn't always mean denial. And it's often in delay that God teaches us how to live in hope how to anticipate the, the good things that are to come. The liminal space is where God can give us a, a fresh sense of purpose and identity, where we can develop courage uh, to overcome fear. The liminal space is where he matures and strengthens our character. Maybe that's why Simeon was a man who was seen as righteous and devout. And it's in a moment like this that we begin to see that waiting is a gift and not a punishment. That it's a gift which we shouldn't ignore. In many ways, we need to learn to linger in our waiting for as long as we can, embracing that tension um, that comes, uh, that, that tension between grace uh, and, and, and the fact that God is kind of shaping us and forming us and doing something deep in us that we don't fully understand. And the truth is, no, long, no matter how long we wait, no, no matter how long our waiting seems, we know it's not in vain. And because of the season that we're in, because of this Advent season that we're in, we know Jesus is coming. In fact, we know he's already come. And, and, and we know that he will do what he said and promised. We know that to be true. It goes on in verse 25. It says, he was waiting, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon was waiting for Jesus. He was waiting for the Messiah. And this, uh, this concept of consolation implies this need for comfort. Uh, that the, the, the nation of Israel was waiting for God's comfort, expecting that he would come and rescue them just as he had done before when they were slaves in Egypt. Uh, to, to comfort or to console requires us to be present with another person, to personally visit them, to be uh, in the same 
spaces them. We console and comfort one another in proximity. And as much as technology and different platforms have helped us over the last 18, 20 months, uh, the, the, the reality is to really experience the se- a sense of comfort and consolation, we, uh, it requires a f- physical contact, doesn't it? Just texting someone doesn't always cut it. Just sending someone a, a, a message or having a Zoom call, which is 3D, but it's very 2D. You know, it's just, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. We, we, we need that physical contact. And, and, and so Simeon sees that Jesus is the consolation of Israel, the one who's called to personally come and be present amongst us, to be with us. Jesus is the ultimate con- consoler who shows up in person for us. He presences himself amongst us. He dwells amongst us. Verse 30, Simeon says, my eyes have seen your salvation. And like Simeon, we have seen God's salvation. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus is God in the flesh, the the one who come to walk among us. He's the embodiment of God, the one sent for the salvation of all people. He's he's the very arms of God stretched open wide to all. He's the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Jesus is the consoler of his people. And when Simeon saw who Jesus was, he couldn't help but worship. Verse 28 says, Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God. See, the hope of this season is that we have seen the salvation of God and that God has stepped into our messy world so that we can know him in a real and tangible way. So when we're in pain, He's there. You know, when we're feeling lonely and abandoned, he's there. When we're sick, he's there. Because he's the God who is with us, Emmanuel, the one sent to console and comfort us, to give us strength to stand on the promises that he has made. It says in this passage that it was through the power of the Holy Spirit that Simeon was able to hold on to the hope that he would see the salvation of God before he died. I don't know how I feel about that. It's like, do I want to die? Do I not want to die? You know, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know if he like croaked there on the spot. You know, he's like, Jesus, catch the baby. I don't know. This is just how my mind works. I don't know. Um, But if you're thinking, how on earth am I going to keep on hoping? If you're thinking, how on earth am I going to get through this next season? How how on earth am I going to cling on to those things that I'm longing for? How am I going to do that in the midst of everything that's going on around me? Well, according to this passage, it's through the power of the Spirit. 
is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe over this last week, you know, we've all, we've all seen the news, haven't we? There's a, there's a new COVID variant. And maybe you think, oh my goodness, I thought we were out of this. I thought we were, you know, sailing home and everything was going to be fine. And suddenly you think, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? What's going to happen? Or maybe as we count down to uh, Christmas and you look at your work right now and you see everything piling up around you and, and you begin to get this sense of feeling totally overwhelmed, you just can't see how, how you're going to make it. How am I going to make it to, the, I don't know, the 24th of December when the bell goes and it's holiday time. It's in those moments that we have to invite the Spirit of God to be present with us for his power to reside in us. You know, and if you've been around here for the last six or seven weeks, you know, that's something that we've been pressing into that, you know, we, we can't do this thing without uh, an active invitation uh, to the Spirit of God to come and move in our lives, that we need the Spirit's power to, to do this. We, we can't do it on our own. We can't do it, humanly speaking. We, we need the Spirit to reside in us, for his power to be manifest in us, for, for him to move in us. And so as we step into this Christmas season again, what promises do you have stored in your heart that you're longing to see become a reality? What are some of the things that you know God has spoken to you about? Things God's revealed that he wants to do in and through you, in your midst. And as we go into this Advent season, as we slow down and remember what this season is all about, what, what are those things? And maybe where you are right now, just allow yourself to recall some of those promises of God. And how are we, in our waiting, choosing to respond in this season? How, how are we doing at waiting in this season? Maybe some of us are living with a sense of frustration. Frustrated, I'm fed up of, of waiting for this thing, Lord. Maybe some of us are living with a sense of disappointment. That time and time again, maybe there's, there's longings in your heart and, and it's, it feels like everyone else, it gets fulfilled for everyone else but me. Maybe you're feeling the disappointment of that this morning. Maybe there's an there's a aching pain in your heart this morning that says, Lord, I just, I need to hope again. Or do you feel that this moment of waiting is a time where God is perfecting something in you 
before he can do something through you. That you recognize the season that you're in. That there's a season where God is, is moving and transforming you from the inside out in ways that perhaps you don't fully understand, but you know he's perfecting something in you so that at some point in the future, he could do something through you. Either way, whether we're wrestling with disappointment or we're leaning into the, react, the fact that God is at work, how are we learning to embrace our waiting at, at this time? And as we embrace our waiting, what do we need to do to open our hearts again to Jesus, the consoler and comforter? To make space for him in the midst of our waiting, to come and be the one who brings life and salvation. Maybe as we enter this Advent season, some of us need to discover the full measure of Jesus' salvation. That Jesus' salvation isn't just a ticket to heaven. You know that, don't you? Um, but Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in its fullness. And um, I think that life is meant to start now. And maybe some of us in a room this size may need to get in touch with Jesus' salvation, maybe for the first time. And maybe some of us who um, have been around a while, maybe some of us need to get born again again um, this morning and reconnect with the reality of what Jesus has done. And so... Wherever we find ourselves uh, this morning, why don't we, um, I've intentionally made some time this morning just for us to kind of respond to the Lord. Why don't we, why don't we stand and just, uh, I've got no idea what God might want to do, but just we'll stand and um, wait on his presence.